This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, Joe Biden's President Joe Biden's visit to Ireland has been the biggest story of the week here. He landed in Belfast, where he spent 17 hours, I'd say seven or eight of them asleep. He had a brief meeting with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, who travelled to Belfast to welcome him on the tarmac. They had coffee the next morning, and he made a speech at the Ulster University which was, I would say, directed at young people in the North in particular. And he's been south of the border and got here as quickly as he could. And we're joined now by Niall Stanish. Niall is associate editor of The Hill, a Washington newspaper that is respected. And Niall is the White House columnist for The Hill as well. Niall, Biden's visit has been a great success in two senses, I would argue. His obvious sincerity about his affinity with this country and his pride in his Irish ancestry, which doesn't go back all that far. His great-great-great-grandfather emigrated, but he has all week been on the ball, just one gaffe, which we might talk about. But it was something interesting in his speech in Belfast. He did mention the contribution Ulster Scots had made and Protestant Scots to the, f- the building and founding of America and how important they were. It was a notable and, I think, appreciated nod towards the fact that it wasn't all about Republican Irish people and Catholic Irish people. And that went down well. But the visit was short and there has been no movement as a result of it, but then there wouldn't be in the short term. No, I think that's that's right. I mean, obviously, uh, Biden had quite a tricky hand to play in a way in the North because certainly from the Democratic Unionist Party, at least, there is this uh, perception of and resistance to American meddling as they see it. Now, we could debate for a long time the rights and wrongs of that position, but Biden clearly decided to tread quite softly, talking about the fact that he was there to listen to the parties, for example, really trying to avoid anything that 
uh, had any sort of sense of diktat to it, not even sort of a much of a wag of the finger. And, you know, you mentioned the point about uh, Ulster Scots, that, you know, separate from political developments or lack of developments in the North, I think that is an important point because the the Irish experience in America is often portrayed a bit too simplistically as the Irish yes. Catholic uh, experience, and that Ulster Scots heritage does have uh, quite an illustrious history in the United States, and it was fair enough, I think, for Biden to acknowledge that. Now, Niall, I think people have begun to understand that there is no Irish-American voting bloc and any suggestion that Biden was doing this for electoral gain, I think, is really in defiance of the facts. Would that be the case? I mean, there isn't a democratic, Catholic, Irish vote, is there? No, there isn't. And I think that there have been uh, strides made in recent years to acknowledge that reality in Ireland. That was sort of an illusion that was held on to for a little bit too long. At the time of John F. Kennedy, for example, there still would have been an ethnic Irish vote. But to make a very long story short, I mean, Irish Americans are pretty much fully assimilated into uh, American culture. I have virtually never seen, for example, an opinion poll that breaks out what Irish Americans uh, think unless it was commissioned by an Irish organization. That is just not a, a political force uh, in American politics. You could argue, perhaps, that that white Catholic voters have some uh, uh, common behaviour in terms of politics in America, uh, but that, of course, encompasses you know Irish Americans, Italian Americans, uh, various people of various ethnic heritages who are now assimilated largely into American society. Now, Niall, what is the significance of the delegation that the president brought with him to Ireland, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, the most powerful office after the presidency, also the agriculture secretary. The arrival of Blinken in particular suggested that serious business was going on. What do you make of that? I'm honestly not sure is the is the simple answer. I think that Blinken clearly is an enormously powerful figure and his presence signified uh, a seriousness at a political level on the part of the United States. He wouldn't be there if Biden was merely uh, in Ireland to you know trace his family tree and say a few kind words in the north. The Biden administration is clearly very invested in the success of the Good Friday Agreement and in avoiding anything being done that would erode that agreement any further. So that's one element of it. You mentioned the agriculture secretary, and of course, the economic uh, part of this picture is an important one. Biden did at times sort of allude with a degree of subtlety to the idea that there would be economic dividends for the North in terms of inward investment if it could get the institutions back up and running. So the, that is clearly an important point, a, a kind of a, a carrot that can be dangled in front of, of northern uh, parties, as well as, of course, just briefly, I mean, I mean, clearly there are very now long-standing economic ties between uh, between the Republic of Ireland and uh, and the United States, and so that's obviously part of the picture as well. Now there was a discordant note. Jeffrey Donaldson is the leader of the DUP, but it wasn't him; it was the former leader. Arlene Foster, 
She mm. said, and I quote, Biden clearly hates Britain. Mm. And the word hate there is emotive. It's clearly wrong. He doesn't look like a hater. But it, it did inject a sour note into that part of the visit and perhaps reflects an old fashioned view, really, mm. or certainly sectarian view. Mm. Well, I would note, first of all, that I, I believe Arlene Foster, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is now a commentator for GB News, which is a yes. rather, in my view, uh, well, it's a broadcasting organization that's sort of like a British Fox, as I understand it, yeah. or at least trying to present itself in that without fashion. The, without the audience. Right, exactly. doesn't have the viewers of, of no. Fox just yet. But, you know, I mean, that, that's obviously a very polemic, uh, polemical statement by Arlene Foster. I don't think it's true. I notice that, though, there has been in the British press uh, quite a lot of resistance or criticism to Biden. He's not, of course, uh, attending uh, King Charles's coronation next no. month, uh, although uh, that is not uncommon. The, when Queen Elizabeth was uh, had her coronation, Dwight Eisenhower was present and also didn't attend. But look, th there is obviously in some more hardline unionist circles and in some more conservative English circles, this belief that Biden is anti-English. I don't really think that that flies. I mean, he is clearly proud of his Irish heritage. He has an awareness of Irish history and its many pretty tragic turns. But uh, to say that he hates England or Britain, I think, is, is hyperbole, to say the least. No, and in passing, I should say that he also mentioned his own links to England. Right. There's parts of his past and his heritage that, that is English. Let's go on and leave that aside for the moment now. There are things happening in the United States. Just a breaking story this morning, that's Friday morning, that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has announced that there will be a ban on abortions after six weeks. How significant is that? And how will that be greeted by women? Because six weeks, after six weeks, many women wouldn't even know they were pregnant. Right. Right. It's a very big uh, move. I mean, in the most direct sense, there are almost 22 million people living in Florida. So that's an enormous number of people who are affected by this change. This six-week ban was passed by the, uh, the Florida House of Representatives uh, the day, uh, day before, earlier in the day that DeSantis signed the bill. The politics of this are very peculiar in the sense that the uh, anti-abortion movement won this huge victory last year when the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade was the decision about half a century ago that gave American women the constitutional right to abortion. That constitutional right no longer exists, and it moves to the states. The issue politically is that conservatives who won that huge legal victory appear to be losing the political war. Uh, Roe versus Wade, for example, was supported by the uh, a plurality of Americans, even though abortion in a more abstract sense is a divisive issue. A six-week abortion ban is not popular. And we already saw, even in the midterm elections last November, Republicans did less well than they had hoped. And when voters were asked why they had voted the way they had, 
abortion uh, ranked very highly. It was uh, the, the second most important issue in, in the major exit poll. And those voters broke for Democrats by about three to one. So it's a, a really live uh, political issue in this country. It's going to continue to be heading into the 2024 election. Ron DeSantis clearly sort of underlining his conservative credentials by signing this this bill into law, but uh, at considerable political risk with the general population. Why do you think he would have done it? Because I think he has an eye to the Republican primary, for a start, yes. which is fought. Uh, I mean, you're fighting for the votes of much more conservative people yes, in that indeed. contest. Yes. Um, and also, you know, DeSantis himself is a... You know, he's a pretty far-right figure. His appeal right. to voters is really Trump-type policies without the chaos. Yes. And so I think it lines up with his political brand in that way. Now, another development that's fascinating, and it emerged in the last couple of days, is that the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, who indicted Donald Trump, was brought before, or they're seeking to bring before the House Judiciary Committee, Alvin Bragg, to explain himself. Jim Jordan, who is a far, far right, is the, is the chair of the Judiciary Committee as a result of the Republicans having. Now, Jim Jordan is way out there with the January 6th crowd. He, I mean, I think he's, he's batty, mad and dangerous, but I won't necessarily expect you to agree with me. <laughs> Why? How can a politician interfere in the justice process in that way in a free society? So that's a great question, and that's one of the things that Alvin Bragg is trying to determine by suing Jim Jordan. Uh, so Jordan's argument is that there was a small amount of federal funds spent by Bragg's team in their investigation, about $5,000 or something. Jordan is, in essence, arguing that that gives the federal government power to conduct oversight. And he's further arguing that the Alvin Bragg matter is politically motivated. And so Congress might have a legitimate reason to bring forth legislation to stop such prosecutions. And therefore, Bragg should appear. Uh, Jordan, we should say, has also subpoenaed a former prosecutor in Bragg's office, which is really the central uh, point over which Alvin Bragg is suing. So the counter argument from Alvin Bragg is firstly that Congress has no such power. It can't be permitted to interfere with prosecutions at the state level, which just, uh, you know, that just cannot be done. And so he is contending Firstly, that that's the case. And secondly, that even if that argument were not accepted, even if you somehow did have, uh, did acquiesce into Congress having some oversight power here, Bragg is arguing that Jordan is basically looking for secret information from grand jury yes. proceedings, um, presumably to weaponize that information in Trump's defense. And that Bragg is arguing that Jordan should not be permitted to do that. Could you confirm or <laughs> refute my understanding of Jim Jordan and the fact that he's president, or rather chair, mm. of the Judiciary Committee? Jordan is far out there, about as far out there as you, as you can get, in my view. But my view doesn't matter. You're living 
with him in Washington. Yeah. yeah. He's an extremely fervently pro-Trump figure. I mean, if you were to uh, number the top 10 pro-Trump people in Congress, Jim Jordan would clearly be among them. He was somebody who was uh, constantly, for example, uh, putting forth arguments against uh, the Mueller investigation when that was going on. Um, he is very, very tightly enmeshed with the Trump team. Um, he's, he's a very sort of fiery, combative figure, generally speaking. So to have him atop the Judiciary Committee is, I suppose, a significant victory for Trump in the sense that he has someone who is such a fervent supporter in such a pivotal position yes, and uh, and there's no no sign that that's going to change anytime soon given the republican majority in the house of representatives and the our kevin kevin mccarthy's yeah. rather tenuous hold on the republican conference means that he has to do deals with these kinds of people I think. ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door go to blue and use promo code listen to get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 dollars or more that's code listen at blue for 50 dollars off blue code listen I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Now, Niall, also this week, Donald Trump was deposed. That is, well, you can explain what it is. Mm. But he spent 12 hours, or the best part of 12 hours, in New York again yesterday answering questions about his business affairs and alleged misbehavior. Is that correct? And why? Yeah, that's right. This is a civil case, not a criminal one, but still a serious one. 
taken by one of Trump's many nemeses, uh, the uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James. And uh, I mean, it is assumed that she is looking into uh, allegations that Trump basically inflated the worth of his assets uh, when useful to him and manipulated them otherwise uh, on other occasions. The um, he was deposed again in part because when he was first deposed, which was in August of last year, he invoked the Fifth Amendment, that's the right against self-incrimination, more than 400 times. Um, so he was back again on uh, Thursday and he sat again and apparently did answer questions this time. His representatives have put out a statement talking about how, you know, what he was doing was talking about his fantastic business successes and claiming that, uh, you know, capitalism is not illegal in uh, New York or anywhere else in the United States. This case, uh, because it's a civil case, it doesn't pose quite the gravity of threat that some others do, but it's still uh, one of the many uh, sea of troubles that are uh, uh, washing up against Mr. Trump these days. Now, one other breaking news story yesterday involves a young man, 21 years of age, who was working in a very sensitive job with the Air National Guard in Massachusetts. He was arrested yesterday, and he has leaked classified documents that are very, very serious, or their implications are because they reveal that the United States was not just listening to its enemies, but also to its friends. Mm. It's stuff about Ukraine, as well as many other places. Mm. It seemed to be something of a bombshell when it was first released, I think, yesterday. It seems very, very serious. It is very serious and quite a bizarre case, given the youth of this man who is accused, and we should say it's all, of course, allegation at this point, but uh, Jack Teixeira is the young man's name, 21 years of age, and he is being accused and will appear in court on Friday uh, with the sort of um, disclosure or or, um, basically uh, permitting secrets to get into the public domain. the leak of classified documents, I think, is the official nomenclature. Anyway, the point is that this stuff that came out, whether he was responsible or not, was embarrassing for the United States, included, for example, rather negative um, assessments by U.S. of Ukraine's chances of pursuing an effective spring offensive in its war, also included various other things from around the world, details about, say, Victor Orban, for example, or some intelligence finding that Egypt at one stage, America suspected of trying to covertly supply Russia with rockets. Um, It was an embarrassment for the Pentagon, an embarrassment for the United States uh, intelligence more broadly. And the fact that it seems to be this, well, it is alleged to be this young guy who was sharing information in a sort of online chat group just does go does go to show just how complicated the uh, effort to maintain secrecy and to keep classified information underground has become, given the world that we live in. Yes, it was Bellingcat and the New York Times Mm. that broke the story. Just a final question about Joe Biden, Niall. Watching him very closely over the last week, or the best part of this week, five days, He does appear in some ways to be frail physically. 
But he's done 12, 14-hour days. He has shown stamina. When he's speaking, he speaks with determination and vigor more than one would gather from watching him periodically on television from here. Mm. And he has indicated, as you know, on a number of occasions that he will run, but he hasn't made a formal declaration that he's going to run for the presidency in 2024. What's your best guess? And what about this idea? I mean, he spoke in sophisticated language at times. A lot of it's folksy and what they might call hokey, Mm. but it isn't all. He sees the threat that is posed by China, by Russia. He sees the problems that the world is facing. And I was surprised by Mm. how alert he seemed. Mm. So I think that one of the issues for Biden is that he is a bit uneven, I would say. And so there is that thing where sometimes people see these rather meandering appearances or public speeches or public remarks where he's sort of mumbling and seems to lack vitality. And then they think, well, he's going to be like that all the time. And when he's given what we might call a big set piece speech, he can actually be very good and very forceful. And I think you saw that uh, in the Oireachtas, just as we would see it, for example, at a State of the Union address or something of that nature. So it is unfair to characterize him as uh, sort of completely doddering, which he isn't at all. And he is someone who has been immersed in American politics for an entire generation, and so he knows the issues very well. All of that being said, there are times when he can look very old, you know? And uh, he's 80 years old. Uh, He would be, at the time of a second inauguration, 82. He would close out a second term at the age of 86. There's no denying that that is an issue in the minds of voters and and not just the minds of voters who are hostile to Biden. It is a a serious point, especially if his Republican opponent ended up being someone like, for example, Ron DeSantis, who's in his mid-40s, I think DeSantis is 44. Uh, You know, that that contrast would be very striking. Right. And a final 10 seconds. Yes or no? (laughs) Most pundits believe he would beat Donald Trump if Trump was the nominee of the Republican Party. Is that right? It probably is right, but it's a a risky bet from the point of view of Democrats. But it is the candidate against whom Biden would have the best chance. Okay, Niall, thank you very much indeed for joining us from Washington. Niall Stanage is Associate Editor of The Hill, a respected Washington newspaper. We're grateful to Niall. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.